Greetings in Jesus' name to each one here this morning. The one that provides everything that we need to have spiritual health. It's a wonderful God we serve, isn't it? Now, I feel a lot of uh, familiarity with this group here. Number one, we're meeting with fellow believers, and that's a big blessing. Um, we're meeting in an old schoolhouse, and I sort of feel home in an old schoolhouse. Now, one thing I, I do notice that you know, the back end of yours is way farther than the back end of ours. I like a little closer, but I hope you can hear and see, and, and that'll be a real blessing. So it's great to meet here with y'all, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And uh, just a little trivia: uh, we were given uh, years, a uh, number of years ago, uh, us bishops were asked to put. Uh, visit another church every six months in our district. So theoretically, we're supposed to be here every two years, not every five or six. Now, I'm not sure how it's working out. But it works out the way it's supposed to. We're supposed to be at each church in the district about, about every two years. So it's nice to be here again. But I did look, and I couldn't. I don't know why I couldn't find when I was here last myself. So it must have been a while back. I mean, I did, going back to the last one, somehow I missed. So... Uh, so revival meeting starts here tomorrow evening, Lord willing. That's very interesting. Uh, <clears throat> so you have a lot to look forward to. And the Lord laid on my heart something that uh, hopefully will be a blessing for your revival meeting. Exactly, I would call it maybe a, uh, a leading of the Lord for that he knew that and I didn't for sure. So, you know, man was made for God's glory. And what a treat to realize that that's what you're here for God's glory. Totally. And and yet, and so he had communion and fellowship with, with uh, God. And that's what God wanted. And then Genesis 3 come, and man sinned. And you know what? It all changed. Man didn't have fellowship with God. It, it was, fellowship was marred. And uh, then, you know, we have man as, as a sinful creature with a nature, uh, a sinful nature. And then we have God, a holy God, wanting to fellowship with mankind. And you know what? He made a provision that uh, this, this separation can be changed. And we can have fellowship with God. And I'm so glad for that. I'd like to read a couple verses now from Romans 2, cutting in at verse 4 to verse 6. Romans 2, starting at verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. This, this, uh, this says a tremendous amount here. And it because it says, actually, when man lives in his own way, the way he wants to live for himself, he is storing up wrath for the judgment day. And that's a sad thing to think about, but that's true. And But God doesn't want it to be that way. He said, and by the way, you know, if you think you're going to get by with what you say, he said, God is going to, you're going to be judged according to the way you lived, according to your actions, not just your lip service, but what you actually you're doing. But then he goes, uh, starts by saying, look, in case that's a negative picture to you, and it is kind of, mankind in their nature is, is, is a deplorable way of living. It's not satisfaction to God or even to early mankind. He said, look, 
you, we have a God that is a loving, merciful God. And he is forbearing, he is long-suffering, he has goodness. And you know what? He's so good, he made a way for you and I to come back in a close fellowship and close relationship with God Almighty. It's a gift of God to be able to do that. And he said, so the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Yes, that's what it should do. When you think about the way I live, we should, and the way mankind lives in general, it's a blessing to know that we can repent and come to him. It's a real blessing. You know, some people kind of just shy away from that. But, you know, that's a real blessing to realize that we can repent. Now, I hear that word thrown around a good bit. I don't hear it explained very much. Now, I'll be honest. This sermon I'm giving the Lord lay on my heart for you generally takes two sermons. So you might, by the time you're done, think you had to. But it's going to work. Try to make it one. Okay? So it's going to be condensed. And if, if I miss a good thought, praise the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because I don't need to say everything that can be said. And yet I'd like to get a good shot at it. of saying a few things in hell that's a blessing. So, uh... It's going to be on repentance. I hear repent, repent. What do you do when you repent? What happens when you repent? What you go on? Okay, the Bible says it didn't say point A, B, C, and D, but the Bible does say a lot of things that do help us get to the right place. And where God wants to be, repentance is the gateway of the new birth and the kingdom of God. You cannot become a child of God and have a new birth without repentance. It's very basic and fundamental. No wonder it says in Mark 1, verse 4, it says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Repentance. Jesus' first message before the Sermon on the Mount, where it says in Matthew 4, verse 17, and from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did he mean? What do you mean? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not just say you love Jesus. Like they say, oh, love, yes. After you repent, you do love Jesus. We repent because, but it's not just this easy phraseology. Oh, love Jesus. Friends, there is something that happens in here when we truly repent. What a blessing we can, we can uh, be live that way. So, it says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 to 26, where it says, and the servant of our Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to, to teach patient, in meekness instructing those who oppose themselves, speak the phraseology, if God preventure will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth. If you want to get a big one, this is loaded. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who has taken him captive by him at his will. Now there it says a whole lot, but it does say that when we when we go our own way, actually we're opposing ourselves and we're doing what's not good for yourself. It's good for ourselves to serve the Lord. It is good for us to repent of our sinful ways. And after it is good for mankind, that brings God honor and glory. Not a man doing his own thing. Doing what they want to do. It brings God honor and glory when he realizes that they have been transformed by the work of Jesus Christ in our hearts and we mean business with following him faithfully. That is what brings him glory. And he said, you know, by the way, if you don't realize how it is, when you think you're, you're living life the way you want to, by the way, all you are is snared by the devil. You're just 
snared by the devil. Okay, you took his bait, you thought it looked great, and so you did it. You're snared by the devil, and you're going down, and, and you're captive unto him. That's right. Because when you start it, it keeps snowballing, and you want to do it more and more, and you keep justifying it. So you're just doing what you want to do all the time. You're snared by the devil. And he said, look, this is not the way. I tell you what, there's a truth out there. It's a truth. And we and wise people live by the truth. Jesus is the truth, right? Scripture says, but Jesus is the truth. So we want to live by the truth. Repentance is following Jesus. Okay, but now I'll get into a bigger, better definition. And so the, the fact is that when we're given into some longing and hankering, or we get into a bad attitude, or we just blow off and say, uh, get mad, or our speech goes whatever, and we, we say things we know we shouldn't, we've been allured by the tempter, and he snared us, and we're taken captive to him, and we strayed from the will of God. We've done that. And, but, and so we've become separated from a holy God. It mars our fellowship. Have you ever noticed that? You know, you know I've heard people say, oh, you know, uh, you know, reading the Bible is kind of boring. There's always a reason for that. And it's never God's fault, okay? It's always man's doings when that becomes a way of life. There's something wrong with, uh, with my life. I am not consumed with loving Jesus. I'm not consumed with I'm not being true to what's happening in my life. And so he said, you know what? You know, whenever I have one of these problems that come in, these little things that come in that we like to make excuses for, that, you know, you know we've got to realize, look, there's a way out. It's repentance. It's repentance. We can repent of that. So by definition, I'll read a short one and I'll read a long one. It's a change of mind accompanied with regret and sorrow for something done and an earnest wish that it was undone or not ever was done, okay? That's repentance. Amen to that. Uh, but then it goes on to say, but the true gospel repentance or repentance unto life is sorrow for sin Grief for having committed it and turning away from it with abhorrence and accompanied with sincere endeavors in reliance on God's grace and the influence of the Holy Spirit to live in a humble and holy obedience to the commandments and will of God. This is that repentance which always accommodates true faith and to which is promised the free forgiveness of sin through the marriage of Jesus Christ. Was that long and wordy enough to get through? Probably not. But anyhow, just keep working at it until it does. Uh, because that's what God wants. It's a wonderful provision from God to mankind so that we can have a right relationship with him that we don't deserve on our own merits. We never deserve on our own merits. So what a blessing to have be able to repent. As it says in Acts 3, verse 19, the effects, I like these effects. And it's always good for man to think of good effects. Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And friends, you'll never be perfect before Jesus without your sins being blotted out. When the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. When we repent thoroughly and we have a change of life and heart's desire, but there's a time of refreshing 
comes from the Lord. You know, isn't that what man really needs? Man really needs refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Friends, that's what we live for. That's what we're here for. So we are people who need pardon for sin. We need forgiveness. We need eternal life. We need fellowship with God. You know, what a blessing. And there is a room that has every provision for you spiritually, all of us spiritually in it. But the door is locked, and there's only one way to open it, and that's through repentance. Everything is behind the door of repentance. And so it makes it very important. We need to remember that the only way to be saved is through true repentance, and the only way to maintain our walk with God is through repentance, unless you're absolutely perfect performance-wise, and none of us are, okay? So it's just all getting the same boat here. Uh, you know, we, we, we can strive by the grace of God, but we're not perfect. And praise God, we become a child of God through repentance, and we stay a child of God through repentance. So let's warm up to repentance. It's one of the most positive, negative sermons I've ever given, if you can follow that, because it's positive effects. But, you know, but why I say, I wonder why it's not more popular. I have never heard a whole sermon on repentance, never in my life. Mike, probably Keith, you probably got a couple, but I didn't until this. I wrote this, got this one. <laughs> so we need good. And uh, so saints need to, we, we should appreciate this provision we have for, because really us as mankind, we fail the grace of God just every now and then, and, but we can come back in right standing through repentance. No person will make it to heaven without repeated repentance. No person will make it to heaven without repeated repentance. So just, that helps us know where we're at. So we want to look at steps of repentance. And I saw a little thing a while back. I hope I can find it here now. And I'll try to write. Because they say visual things help. So we'll try to help you. Okay. I hope some of you can see this. I really hope all of you can. Uh, repentance. Okay, all right, you feel I'm not a teacher, so I don't know what I'm doing. We'll still do this anyhow. Can you in the back see it? Praise the Lord. I was hoping you could. It didn't always work out good. Okay? Uh, this is steps of repentance, and we want to cover them all because they're all critically important. Uh, it's conviction, godly sorrow, confession, forsaking sin, restitution, and change of heart. Friends, if the truth of the matter is, if we don't go through these steps, you won't come out here. And if you repent, you don't have a change of heart, you haven't repented, okay? <laughs> That's what it's got to be. You gotta get forgiveness, and you 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 know things change dramatically. Now I will say that restitution a lot sometimes, and you can't make restitution, or the thing doesn't, uh, or the situation doesn't merit restitution. Okay, there's sometimes you can make restitution, sometimes it isn't. The fifth one is one of them that's is not always uh, applicable to every situation. Okay, 
So when we start out, this is steps of repentance. That's what I call it. And, uh, and it is very important that we realize that repentance is a necessity for reconciliation to God. Now, right in if I could, it's a necessity for reconciliation to God. And it's critically important. Matthew 4.17, Acts 13.3, excuse me, Luke 13.3, Acts 3.19, and Acts 17.30 will bear that out. And so, and so it's important that we, we realize what is happening in our spiritual walk when we come to one of these points. Or if we try to get here without getting here and here and here. Okay, and we're giving spotty sorrow, confession, and forsaking of sin because, I don't know, this thing might be being taped. I'm not sure. So that's why I'm not going to just say here, here, and here. I might say things. Okay, elements of repentance and confession is first. And that is uh, the process of one, of convincing one of the guilt of sin or failure or weakness by the Holy Spirit convicting the heart. It can come in many ways. It can come through sermons. It can come through Sunday school. It can come by another brother. Uh, but God, it's God through the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin or wrongdoing. Okay? And in many ways, we know that Joseph's brothers, when they went down there in Egypt, and they said, oh, you know, um, When he was questioning in their own heart and saying, do not sin against the child and you would not hear there ever said this blood is required of us. I tell you, they was feeling conviction, okay? That's what was happening. But we need it. I, uh, John 16, 8 says, when it spoke of the Holy Spirit, it says, when he has come, John 16, 8, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And it's terribly important to us, I mean, we need to thank God that the Holy Spirit has come and He is one. We know He's the comforter. We know He's the strengthener. That's what it means. But He's also the convictor. And we, we all thank God for that. You know, uh, uh, it, it is kind of hard for mankind to know how to respond to conviction because I've heard people say, oh, oh, you know, what you said put me on a guilt trip. Well, if that's the case, it's probably the best trip you've ever been on. Because if you have sin in your life and you need to change, thank God His Spirit is working. What if we sinned and God just said, well, you've got to figure it out. You know what I mean? You know, you know when somebody else says they come over and they jump on you or something? No, the Holy Spirit puts us on a guilt trip. And it's what we need, you know. Now remember... The proper response of a guilt trip, asking forgiveness and true repentance, brings refreshment to your spiritual walk. Remember that. Always remember that. Or as God isn't saying, oh, you did what was wrong to make you just feel bad. It should make you feel bad. Because our sin mars our relationship with God. There's nothing wrong with feeling bad. In fact, it's part of this Godly sorrow. If you have truly got here, you'll feel bad for what you did, and that's that's just fine. But you don't stay there. You don't feel bad. You 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 know you sin. He's convicting you, and you want you want that good communion and fellowship with Jesus. You want that restored back again. So, you know, and so it's nothing wrong for a person that 
comes to age of accountability to say, you know, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. It's a good thing to acknowledge. You know, or I've heard people say, you know, I'm not serving Jesus the way I should. If that's true, that's a good thing to, uh, to, to say. You know, uh, for people say, you know, and, you know, because repentance comes a good many times after the initial repentance. And so I've heard people say, you know, discovered I got a fleshly desire that needs to go. Praise God, that's conviction. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's what God wants. See, He come, Holy Spirit has come to reprove us of the sin that comes in. That's His gift to us. He wants to do that. Uh, some, and sometimes it just smites you like a bolt of lightning. Sometimes it's other ways. Acts 2.37 says, and when they heard this, Acts 2.37, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You might, just this coming week, feel your heart being pricked a little bit. Let me tell you what it is. It's conviction. Is conviction, and it's a good gift from God to help us realize where we're at. It's a gift from God. Don't, you know, I, I, actually, I wonder how God feels, because I'm seeing more of a phenomenon that I think maybe God would be wonder about. We can have a week of, a whole week of revivals. I didn't know he was going to have that, but this still is a pertinent point to think about. And I'll ask people, you know, did you have a good revival? Means, oh, yes. We had a wonderful week of revival. Oh, what happened? You know, any people say, no, no. Anybody repent? No, no. Do you ever wonder what God thinks? When all we sit there and just get patted on the back, and it was a great week of revivals. Now, I thank God, if you're living for him, righteously, I'm not here to, you know, God knows how we live. You know, and you can have a good week. It's just refreshment. And it's just building up. But when he looks down at the American way, and his spirit is faithful to us, and we go through a whole week, and there's no repentance. Hmm. I just wonder what God thinks. I just wonder what God thinks. I'll just say that. I think when his spirit's really working and we are sensitive to that little prompting of the spirit, friends, I think there'll be repentance in our hearts. And I think it'll show. Okay? In other words, I've heard people say something something like this. Oh, you know, uh, boy, what, what was spoken this morning? That stepped on my toes. What do you think that means? What do you think it should mean? I think it should mean the first step of repentance, actually. Step one, you know, I like to tell them what, we missed by about four or five feet. God was aiming square here through your heart, you know. But I know what you mean. I've heard, I even heard one comment that amused me a lot. I haven't got over it yet, but I did remember. Yeah, I've got over it, but I've <laughs> forgotten and I forget tons of things. Uh, he said, boy, I tell you, I should have had steel-toed shoes on this morning. He was giving closing remarks. Well, that said a shipload to the speaker. I promise you that. 
Well, I think when God, uh, when our toes get stepped on good and proper, it's probably we need to change our ways. We probably need to get to point six. So we need to start here, and it probably is working. Friends, when the Holy Spirit speaks, a wise person responds to the Holy Spirit speaking. You know, it's easy to justify what we've been doing, and it's easy to excuse it, but let me tell you, until we recognize conviction for what it is and respond to it, we're going to never have repentance. It'll never happen. Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. That's a sense of shame for my sin before God that revolts and or man that results in remorse, regret, and grief accepts responsibility for that which has been convicted of and moves him to confession and change. Uh, and that is very true because, now look, we, we always got to remember what, what, what we as mankind are convicted of is something that if we keep doing it or if we do not repent of it will mar, if not sever with time, our relationship with Jesus, okay? I just want to make sure you get the magnitude of this. And we all have this. But it's good for me to remember, us as mankind, that we're not, this isn't a game we're playing. This is a quality of life for you and us as mankind with God now and for all eternity. In other words, if His Holy Spirit speaks to me, if I or we don't repent, we are changing our destiny. It's very serious. It's very serious. This affects your quality of life here and your destiny. So when he speaks, you say, thank God for you speaking to me. Okay, let's warm up to conviction. You probably are, but the Holy Spirit just wants us to warm up a little more. And then once you see what sin does in our lives, friends, and we know we do, we have godly sorrow that I allowed that to happen. God has given all of us Grace to overcome every temptation that's come your way. Amen? Amen? That's true. Even if you don't agree, it's still true. God has given us grace to overcome every temptation that we have. And I like to think of that because when I'm tempted and I'm bombed and barred just as much as everybody else, that if I avail myself to the grace of God, I can have victory over every temptation. Praise the Lord. You can too. We can do it together, okay? And so when I don't avail myself to that, let me tell you, friends, we ought to hang our head in shame. It was, it was mankind that failed, not God. It was mankind. So God disarms a sense of shame. Now, when it says in 2 Corinthians 7, verses 9 and 10, Now rejoice that you were made sorry. I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you were sorry to repentance. You sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Yes, so many people are so sorry they got caught. Or so sorry that they looked bad because they did such a thing. Now that's true. You should We should have some remorse that I didn't avail myself to the grace of God. But he said, look, you sorrow, your sorrow, if it works out to repentance, it's a godly sorrow. It has good effects. 
So in other words, you can have that remorse and, re and sorrow for sin, and it's godly. You're, you're not. You're not. We we are not. We are ashamed of what we did because it mars our relationship with Jesus. It changes the refreshment we were supposed to have. You know, so you know, you know, like I say, the things become boring and dry and serving Jesus didn't have the vitality and the zeal we should have had. There's reasons why. It's sin, and then when we sin, we have conviction. We can get over it. Yes, what a blessing. Peter was a good example where it said in Matthew 26, 75. Matthew 26, 75 says, uh, 75, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus and said to them, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept. Bitterly. I really think that when general mankind sees their sin before God, it affects their emotion. It affects their emotion. Uh, it's critically important. There seems to be a missing element in so many rep uh, uh, repentances, as it were. If people just have conviction and they go right to confession and they don't they don't have a godly sorrow when we realize the depth of our sin and what actually my sin what affects dramatically affects us spiritually I think the proper response is godly sorrow for our sin and that really helps us get to a good change of heart okay it's a good start the next is confession Acknowledging God's word in ways as right and declaring myself to have been wrong or having done wrong, declaring it to God and others as far as it is known. I tell you, friends, that's a, that is a good one. Confession. <clears throat> this is one of the hardest things to do is to, to acknowledge wrong because it's so easy to say, if you'd have been in my circumstances, or think, maybe we don't say it as much as we think, if you'd have been in my circumstances, you wouldn't have did any better. You'd have done just like me. I've heard that, and I've thought that before, okay? I won't deny it. It's easy to think, you know? Oh, in other words, oh, and you know, if you'd have been around that I mean, that person is so special. We're meaning obnoxious, actually, but we just like to use a nicer word. And uh, and so it makes me respond wrong or think bad attitude. So it's legitimizing my bad attitude. Yeah. Devil will do that for all of us. Devil will do that for all of us. He will legitimize your sin every time. You give him a chance if you go listen to him. He'll do it every time, I tell you. It takes humility to acknowledge our little weaknesses and our big ones, but most of all of our ours are little. And confess it as sin. Because that's what it is. That's truly what it is. You know? So, how do we do this? Jeremiah 3.13 says, Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast disgraced against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under, green under every green tree, and ye have not obeyed the voice, my voice, saith the Lord. Yes, it's very important. Acknowledge that iniquity, okay? Confess to God. And, I, you know, I, you see things that happen, you wonder, because some people say, well, you know, I, I confessed it to, to so-and-so. And then, you know, you say, well, did you confess it to God? 
And they didn't. I mean, they, don't, they just they can't say that yes, yes. We are never forgiven without confessing our sins to God. Mark it down. We get so much PR related. Oh, I'm so sorry. I said that that way. That's good to be sorry. That's very good. But if, you, if we don't confess to God, we'll never get forgiveness. Your brother and sister cannot forgive your sin. Never can, never will. Now, they can, they can, they can, it can mend relationships. It, does, it is healthy. It is good. And let me just add right now, you don't just confess to God and not to mankind. If it needs to be to mankind, okay? God is first and paramount. Our relationship with God is paramount. It must always be confessed to God. But if you transgress, you said something ugly to your brother, you had a bad attitude, and you come, oh, you know, you probably don't know, but I have a bad attitude. Mark it down. They knew it long before you ever come. You don't need to say that. Say, I'm sorry for my bad attitude, and you probably knew it before I did, because that's probably true. And if you don't know it, think about it, because that's probably true. No wonder it says in Proverbs 28, 13, it says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. You probably know this verse by heart. You should. He that confesses them shall not prosper, but whosoever, whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. The strength of sin is when it's hid. Mark it down and remember forever. In other words, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he's exposing our sin. Thank God. And um, But as long as we justify it, excuse it, or feel like, oh, they don't know, or it's not that very, it really didn't affect anybody. Oh, I still have a good relationship with God, and I do it. Well, let me tell you, see, you're covering up for sin. When, the, when, when we have conviction, it's so easy to come up with these, these uh, uh, excuses, cover-ups for our sin. When we have conviction, God wants to be, He's exposing our sin, and we all thank God. You might say it's a little thing. Sin about always is level to the one that did it. Okay? Just think about what you've had to repent in the last week or two, or year or two, or five, ten. Go back as far as you got to go back. Wouldn't it always just kind of a little thing? That's what the devil does. It's so, such a little thing. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Period. Spiritually. Everybody here that's a Christian wants to prosper spiritually. Because to prosper spiritually, you, we got to have an open relationship and fellowship with God. we got to walk with Jesus on a daily basis, and we cannot do that with sin. We cannot do that with sin. I'm so glad Jesus' conviction exposes our sin. It exposes it. I'm so glad for that. What a blessing. Now, one says in 1 John 1, verse 9, if, why would it start with if? Why not since? Because it's iffy. That's why it's iffy. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If, yes, thank God when he speaks to us, we have conviction, we have godly sorrow, we know what it could have done, we were sorry for what happened, and we're willing to confess it. Because that's the only way we can have forgiveness of sins is to confess it. There's no other way. There's no other way. And so praise God, we can be forgiven. It's a blessed privilege by the blood of Jesus Christ that every one of our sins, big, little, small, in between, unseen, or whatever, can be beneath the blood of Jesus if we confess them. There's no other way to get it there. 
but confessing it before him in true contrition because study star shows contrition and that's what we want. Praise God, we can have it. This is a person that is walking close to God and they want to, they want to maintain that. They don't want anything to mar that relationship with him. So they confess their sins once they're convicted. Then they forsake sin. <clears throat> now this is a good result. If you go through points one, to have conviction, God, sorry, and confession, forsaking sin. That is turning away from sin and developing a godly hate and abhorrence for anything that mars our fellowship with our loving, holy Father. And I tell you, friends, if, if I, I think we ought to keep working on this, let the Lord work on this, even if we didn't sin yesterday or need conviction, we should be the kind that develop a hate and abhorrence for anything, for anything that mars our relationship with God. So by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, having victory over temptation and sin, we confess our faults just one to another, that we may be healed. That's what it says in James 5. Remember that? I'm going to say another statement about confession, okay? True repentance always includes humble confessions made, uh, humble confession as needs be and as broad as its effect. Your sin is not just between you and God. Do you know that when I sin and, and, and we live in sin, that we have marred the spiritual strength in this brotherhood? We have changed this. You remember Achan? One man sinning? It had changed their ability for them to have a victory. The whole Israelite army, okay? Our spiritual uh, whatever you want to call it, enticements and giving ins affects the spiritual climate of our brotherhoods. Always remember that, okay? So we are accountable to our brothers and sisters, okay? That's why it says confess your faults only to God. No, it says confess your faults one to another, and it says it for a reason, because we need to. And that's why, because it's good that you may be healed. We need that healing. We need that forgiveness of sin. That's healing spiritually, friends. Here, when we get to this point, change of heart, friends, we've been healed. We've had true repentance. We won't get there unless we're truly willing to confess it and do it humbly. Uh, do it humbly. All I can say is it's just be clear and plain. Okay? Uh, there's no reason why we just got to beat around the bush about our sin, friends. God cares about it. He hates it. And if you, if you have godly sorrow about it, you don't need to water it down, okay? Uh, just be honest and open before God, okay? We're on forsaking sin. Now, we're going to forsake sin, so we're going to renounce all that is contrary to the will of God, to the very nature. I'm going to renounce by the, by the power of God all everything that is contrary to the nature of God in my life. Friends, that is a beautiful lifestyle. That's a gorgeous lifestyle. Now, it might be a little radical in America. 
You think God would like a few good radical Christians in America? Think he could use a few. And guess what? You can be one of the few. You can be one of the few. Just remember that. But it's a choice. It's a choice. Where it says, Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That means when I am sin, whether I'm a sinner, and I'm being saved the first time, being born again the first time, or I went back into sin, and I lived there a little while, let the wicked Forsake his way. Praise God. It's very clear. Romans 6, 1, 2, and 12 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace be abound? God forbid. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Beautiful thought. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He said, oh, hmm. That's a good lifestyle. That's a good lifestyle. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. And there's the battleground, friends. The lust of the flesh is a lot of times our battleground. Not always, but a lot of times it's our battleground. Let not sin therefore reign in your body, that you shall obey its lust. I thank God we can have victory over every temptation. His grace is sufficient. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 11 says, For observe this very thing, that ye served in a godly manner what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, indignation against sin, not indignation who told you, not not indignation of the blessed saint that that reminded you, I get so, I wonder what God thinks. I wonder what God thinks when, and I've seen this happen so many times, it's almost sickening, when he says, well, why did that person say that to me? Why, why did he say that to me? Because God wanted him to. Do you ever think of that? Because if that person is praying and being led by the Holy Spirit to say something to you, we have no right as fellow Christians to lash out or put down our brother and sister who loves us enough to try to expose my sin. Okay? If we could get there, we would help our brotherhoods a whole lot. Okay? See, in other words, we have, we're going to have sorry for sake sin. You can't lash out against God's mouthpiece. Okay? I know it's clear, but it's so easy. We're always tempted. You know, why did they say that to me? Because God loves you. That's why. And we don't go lash out against that person, okay? Uh, it's, it's, it's such a bitter... What indignation against my sin? About my sin, not about the person that God used, okay? Now, I just want to make sure we're clear on what that means. What fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. For it... All things you prove yourself to be clear in this matter. Repentance is more than just asking for forgiveness. It's hating and abhorring sin. Write it down and mark it down twice. Repentance is more than just asking forgiveness. It is hating and abhorring sin. Friends, if we don't get to that step, we live in chronic defeat. 
We live in chronic defeat. I tell you, I know of people that confess their sin, and you, you talk to them, and you're trying to help them, and you despair, and you know what they do? Oh, I tell you, I just did it last week. I asked for forgiveness, and guess what? I lived six days in victory. And they did it again and again. You know what they was living? They was living chronic defeat. They was living in the lust of their flesh. That's what they was doing. And they wasn't face up. Oh, you know. How many times do you have to steal your neighbor's chickens to be a thief? Every day? No. If you do it once a month, you're a thief, right? If you keep doing it every other month, you're still a thief. So you live 30 days in victory and one day bad and you're a thief? Absolutely. It's a condition of the heart, friends. If we don't have godly sorrow and confess and we don't have forsaking sin, we have not truly repented. Mark it down. We have not truly repented. This is a beautiful way God wants us to be. Now, Scripture speaks plainly to a lot of these subjects. So it says in Psalms 119, 163, I hate in a poor line. But thou law do I love. Psalms 97, 10 to 12 says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Do we need to go any farther? Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Now, that doesn't mean when you're looking over the pew at the person behind you in front. It's when you look in the mirror. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. What would happen in our lives if that was our main motto? Love Jesus and hate evil. I think we'd see a lot more repentance. I think we'd see more like we're repentant. He that preserves the soul of his of his he that preserves the soul of his saints, he delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Verse eleven. Light is shown sown in righteousness and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks. At the remembrance of his holiness. Yes, that's what we want to do. If we hate evil, we abhor evil, we're forsaking evil. By God's grace, not our own personal strength, we can rejoice in the Lord. That's what he wants. You can smile because you have him in your hearts. You can rejoice. Psalms 101 verse 3 says, Set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. In a day and age, when wicked things used to be out there, but now we even Christian homes have wicked things in home. It provides a lot of wickedness. Some people even have it on their phones. Yes, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. It has a lot to do with hating evil. Yes. Psalm 119, 104. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate sin. Didn't stop there. Listen. I hate every false way. Oh, I hate even the pathway that leads me to sin. Brothers, sisters, and the Lord, if we are a band of believers that do that, I, God would just be so blessed if we could live that way. I hate every false way. Wow. Sometimes we see our weakness and get so tired of failing, we feel like Job. Where it says in Job 42, verse 6, 
Therefore, I pour myself. I repent in dust and ashes. And I tell you, friends, if you pour yourself, uh, I hear people say that because you wonder if they aren't feel self-pity, okay? Well, you might need to be pitied if you're living in chronic sin. But God help you. He pities you too. And he wants to build you up. And you will get built up when you repent, okay? There's no way of cheating around it. Just repent. And so be willing to respond to conviction. Have God be sorry. Confess it to God and to mankind and be humble and thorough about it. And start hating sin by his grace and his holiness in your heart, friends. We can't have a holy God reside in our heart and cozy up to sin. See, it just don't work. Never will, and it can't. It just won't. So we want to be like Jesus, and that's part of convicting now. So we're hating sin, and we're real about it, okay? Tell your friends what you hate when you talk about spiritual things. Tell them. I mean, we can amp each other up a little bit, you know, right? Doesn't that be helpful? Yeah, I mean, we tend to... Sometimes we erode each other's convictions a little bit. I hope you never do it, but sometimes it tends to happen. But God wants us to strengthen each other in the most holy faith. And that's a real blessing. Restitution. Restitution. It's to pay back, to restore, to compensate, to build back what has been torn down. It says in Exodus, very plainly, 22, verse 1 to 5, man steals a sheep. And uh, he shall restore five oxen and uh, for four sheep for a sheep. And, you know, that's why yeah, uh, that happened in the New Testament. Zacchaeus did that. I don't know what I'll say here. But many a times our sin affects brotherhood a lot more than we think. And I think we could do more to restore it. I just think there could be better restitution in brotherhood relationships. You know what I mean? So go to the people that you have offended. Or did you, maybe you didn't offend them. Maybe they was tough enough and knew you well enough didn't offend them anymore. But you, you just blew up or just spouted off or had a bad attitude or showed whatever. You know, go to them. I think we, we would do better to make sure we cleared up for God and, but, and was humble enough to go to our brothers and sisters. I just think that would be a part of restitution that God would be pleased with. Uh, you know, God cares that we're humble, and it takes a humble heart to really see restitution in the broader picture. It takes a humble heart. It's what God wants. Now, there will change heart, and this would be initial repentance or repentance of somebody with chronic or besetting sin. Or, you know, somebody does some gross sin. You know, some, it, they become, they go from an enemy of God to the friend of God. From pleasure in sin to a lover of righteousness. They change their focus. It's from a desire for temporal things to eternal and spiritual desires. They're living to be a blessing to the kingdom of God constantly. That's their turn. They wake up in the morning. They're praying, oh, Lord, how can I bless your kingdom today? I want to be a good example. I want to live in such a way. I want to speak such a way. I want my attitude sanctified so much that I'm a constant blessing to the Lord, to your kingdom. How often do we pray that? He helps those that know they need it. And we need it. At least I do. I'll just speak for myself. We need it. So, it is submitting to a new master and new goals, a new desire, 
to know God better and His Word and love to please Him and obey Jesus. Repentance is a total change of heart. It's coming for cozying up, even if it's after your Christmas. It's rather than excusing and justifying to hate godly sorrow, confession, hating sin. It's a total change of heart. If we did not have a total change of heart toward that sin he convicted us of, we have not truly repented. We have not truly repented. And we need to repent. Uh, we, um, and it's such a blessing we have. Now, Paul is a good example. It says in Acts uh, 9, 1 and 2 and 6, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples, went to the high priest and desired letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, and if he found any of this way, where they be men and women, he might bring them back. I'll tell you what, I'm going to chain up that guy, because he, I know he might be a Christian, but I'm going to chain him up. I mean, we, we wouldn't say that, but that's what we're thinking. That's what Saul did, too. Verse 6, yeah, he met somebody, and he, and he responded to him. And he trembling and astonishing said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou uh, must do. Paul did a 180. Every Christian here this morning, if they had true repentance when they accepted the Lord, they did a 180 spiritually. You did a 180. And, and that's called transformation. See, there's never transformation without true repentance. There's never transformation without true repentance. Some people try to short circuit it and it's called reformation. It doesn't work because we're doing it on our own. Transformation. Now what it says in Ephesians 4 verses 22 through 24 that you may put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put you in that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and to holiness. See, when we have a change heart, we love holiness. It is a bad day when a Christian uh, wants to limit holiness in their life. Now think about that. That in touch is pretty close home. Do I have to do that? Or do you get to do it? How is it? See, you'll ask the right questions when you went through this process. You won't ask the wrong ones. Evidences of true repentance. Yeah, evidences of true repentance. Yeah, gets us where God wants us. Praise God. That's a, that's a miracle in itself. To get man where he needs to be. Just, Lord, whatever you want, I'm going to do. I'm, th I'm done with the sin stuff. You know, just, I want to be that new man. The new man. New man. New woman. New creation in Christ Jesus. Amazing! Yes, he can do it for anybody. And he'll do it for everybody that is truly repentant. A necessity for reconciliation with God. That's what it is. What a tremendous blessing. Colossians 3, verses 10 to 14 says that also. Yes, results of a humble life that will that it will to uh, willing and it's willing to repent it says in Matthew 3 verses 8 to 10 says bring forth therefore fruit meat for repentance 
So our lifestyle shows whether I've repented. Amen. My lifestyle shows whether I have truly repented. Yeah. In other words, if my lifestyle shows I'm trying to dabble back in the things of the flesh, the world, the allurements and the lust thereof, he says, look, there's a better lifestyle. It's one that shows the fruit of repentance. What a blessing. We can all have that. We can all have that. Going on. And think ye, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I say unto you that God is able to, uh, these stones to rise up children unto Abraham, but now also the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that bringeth forth not fruit, good fruit, is hewn down and cast in the fire. Forget it if you think you're somebody on your own, in other words. He said, I can make zillions of Abraham's children. I can make zillions. That's no good. He wants true followers of God. He wants people that have changed their heart. That comes through true repentance. What a blessing. Then we truly can repent in our lives. When we truly repent in our lives, then we can have, get this word, chronic victory. Chronic, I like those two. I wonder how much God sees chronic to be. How about chronic victory? Yes, it's out there for the taking. Friends, well, we have to get real with sin. And when we do that, and we work through this process, and there's a true change of heart, we can live much more in a peace and joy that passes understanding. This is, as it says in John 10, the abundant life. Life as God would have it. That's what he wants for every one of us here this morning. No one says in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's a gift of God for all mankind. Enjoy it. Use it when needed. God bless you.